Welcome in. You are listening to the Roto Fanatic Podcast. This is a weekly breakdown of what's going on in the fantasy baseball world. It's a pleasure to have you aboard. Uh, we've had the morning relay, which, uh, you know, it's not gone necessarily, but you know, it's on hiatus for now. We also have Turn 2, which you can hear every Tuesday on this same feed. But this is the Roto Fanatic Podcast, where we will talk with Carm Mayorano and Matt Williams and myself, Michael Govier, your host. This is going to be a lot of fun. Carm, how you doing? What's a good word, man? I'm doing great. Just living in my in-laws' uh, basement for the week while my house gets finished up. So uh, it's been a uh, it's been a long week so far. Do they do Whoa. they know you're in the basement? Um, <laughs> I come up every now and then for meals that are prepared by my gracious mother-in-law. So I think so. Put the lotion on skin. No, listen, you look <laughs> fantastic. I've never and, I've uh, never seen that movie. By the way, what you never saw it? Wow, yeah, I never seen it. You always surprise me with your pieces of information. I'll I'll never get you, but I do know that you know fantasy baseball. So, Matt Williams, what's going on, man? What's the word tonight? Nah, not much. I'm avoiding the NBA draft and celebrating the Robinson Cano suspension. Hey! Great <laughs> to go, through. dummy. Hey, you <laughs> All, got you had one job. Territory. He had one job. Don't take drugs. Couldn't do it. He <laughs> just he just couldn't handle his job. Yeah. High stress situation. He needs to produce. If he doesn't produce, then the world falls apart. Come on, Robinson. Get a clue, man. Yeah, four million dollars. All you got to do is nothing. Yeah, but you're happy though, Matt, right? Because that money's now available to use elsewhere. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Let's go, Mets. But we'll move on. We're not here to talk about the Mets. Well, we probably will talk about Cano at some point. But still, it's how do you happen. take drugs in a sixty-game season? That doesn't matter what? as much. Well, there <laughs> wait, was a, wait, wait, there wait. was a report out right that. Um, that they were not going to be testing. So I guess he tried to take advantage of that because, uh, you know, he's trying to pad his hall of fame stats as much as humanly possible. So I don't know if he thought he could get away with it. He apparently took the thing that is the easiest drug to possibly detect in a test as well. Yeah. What the hell Robinson? Come on, man. Have a juke. You got to get Albert Pujols guy, whoever Albert used to have back in the day. <laughs> you know, he needs to find out who that guy was. Anyways, this is the Royal fanatic podcast. We're going to talk about, the mock draft. We had another one. We did the October mock. We're going to talk about our November mock draft, and we'll do a little hot stove talk. We got some incredible, legendary news. People who are GMs for the first time, who are long overdue to be as such, and uh, you know, a couple odds and ends along the way. So let's dive right into it, guys. Let's talk about our November mock draft. Well, you know, we're, we're going to break it down, but we're not going to spend like two hours on it. Let's just talk best picks because. We did the October draft, and if you want to listen to that, by the way, you can go back into our feed and listen to the October mock draft breakdown. And, of course, that's all on rotofanatic.com. That's where you can find all this stuff. And, by the way, this show is sponsored by rotofanatic.com. That's why it's called the Rotofanatic Podcast. Anyways, Carm, start off with you. Best picks of this November mock draft. Yeah, absolutely. I loved what Less Than Dave did. Uh, in his first two rounds going story at pick 11 and uh, then turning around after that and grabbing Bauer as the, uh, is the, is that the third SP off the board? Fourth SP off the board? Fourth, Fourth SP. Oh yeah. And it was actually um, the 10th pick and whatever the 14th pick. Uh, but yeah, I love that. I think story can finish as a top three guy. I mean, he has a pretty safe floor assuming he stays in Coors. His average steals, homers, counting sets, everything is fantastic. Uh, Bauer, especially if he pitches on that, every fourth day schedule that he's rumored to be on. I mean, he, he would easily be the SP one as uh, Matt and, uh, and Dave actually talked about on the turn two uh, just a day ago. So I really, I really love those two. Ooh, what about you, Matt? Some picks that stood out to you in this November mock draft. 
I'd best actually, bit. I didn't actually really review the board uh, too much. I, I had more things I didn't particularly like than liked. Uh, to that be doesn't honest. sound like you. What? Uh, just because a lot of the stuff up front is, you know, is what it is. Really, I. Yeah, there's, there's no, no is Bauer the fourth starting pitcher in your opinion, or no. you don't really it's split. No, well, okay. well no, we, like I said, we talked about that Trevor Bauer um, being possibly the SP one, regardless, pretty much of how he's performing. If he goes every fourth day, I think there's zero percent chance of that happening, literally zero, because if a team signs him to a multi-year deal, they're never going to let him do it. And if they sign him to a one-year deal, you'd think, all right, burn him out. But then he maybe will be burned out for the playoffs. I just, I don't see why they'd risk it if he's going to be quality every fifth day why why try to push it but if if that ever came to pass absolutely but um and i like trevor bauer uh but everything about his season as far as just the you know the you know the, he just something as easy as era fip will kind of tell you the story the really uh easy schedule you know that most people assume that the central really was in comparison to a lot of things i don't mind him um but i'm just not going to be even though i took degrom number in my first round in this one i just wanted to try that i'm probably <laughs> not going to be drafting a starting pitcher in round one maybe not round two uh because i i like the mid tier where i love um i love like uh, brandon woodruff luis castillo jack flaherty um you know zach gallon carlos carrasco like the whole gigantic next tier uh, I like quite a bit, so I'm gonna load up on my offense in round one and two. Yeah, but what about that third round? Because that is something that came up yesterday. I was talking about this glut of pitchers. Clayton Kershaw goes at 25. Mm. Luis Castillo 26. Aranola 27. Kyle or Kyle Flaherty, Jack Flaherty at 28. Is there a difference between those four for you, Carm, or Matt? Uh, either one of you guys could take that first. Because with the type of season that we've had with innings limits being reduced, but Clayton Kershaw being someone who's able to go out there every year, even though he gets hurt, is he more reliable in this kind of weird season that could play out in 2021? Or would you rather take a chance on someone like Louis Castillo, who could be a Cy Young possible? Um, yeah, I, I'm, go, ahead, go ahead, Matt. No, I, I think innings pitched, you definitely have to put more weight on, especially with moving from such a weird season where they're going to be, everyone's going to be increasing their arms. So I think veterans like Clayton Kershaw and even like a Zach Greinke, who I'm, you know, I'm probably avoiding, but he's good for his innings. I think that they should probably get a, a bump, but uh, Luis Castillo is just a bad example for me because last year I predicted you Darvish would be the, the, the pitcher outside of the top 10 who could be the SP one. Um, and Luis Castillo is my pick this year. I like him more than his teammate Bauer from last year going into next year. I think that, he just keeps getting incrementally better, um, and I think that there's a very good chance that uh, he really becomes a next step. But so that's just you know it, it's a bad example for me because I love Luis Castillo. Personally, I like Giolito above the rest of those uh, names you mentioned, uh, Mike. I really think that he has the high strikeout potential, and while he needs to rein in his walks a little bit, they're not all that different from then you know a guy like Bauer basically. So I think that he has you know the potential to be the next guy off the board after the big three, but I, w I don't have an issue with any of those guys being taken as your SP one and the back end around two and in round three. Yeah. Giolito goes 22 Darvish 23. And then that little glut of pitchers in the twenties. And to me, I'm with Matt on that. I love Luis Castillo in 2021. I hope this is the chance where he finally becomes the guy, like the guy, the number one, not Sonny Gray. He's the guy. Now, Bauer will be gone. So we'll see if that's the case. Uh, also, Jack Flaherty, just for a note, kind of a 
kind of a freak out there because remember how he was handled when he came back? Like, remember he pitched three innings? Uh, and it was still like four, three innings. He, he got blown up in one of those, but he was also being limited regardless of how well he pitched. Uh, I feel like that's a, a sign of things to come in 2021 because of the innings pitch limitations. Am I, am I crazy on this, Matt? Or like, are, should I be, should we be paranoid about IP limitations of 2021 because we had a short season in 20? Yes. Um, that's actually, I am, there's certain players that I don't like their value and there's certain players I just cross off my draft board. One of them is Walker Bueller. He didn't throw a single pitch during from the shutdown to the beginning of the season. Um, we don't know what other people did. A lot of people were throwing. Some people may not have, but well-documented Walker Bueller didn't throw a single pitch. So then he comes in late to the season that was already short, wasn't ready to go, wasn't amped up, then comes in, pitches well, pitches really well in the postseason. It's already the Dodgers. Um, you know, we know that they're going to let Kershaw pitch. We probably were looking at Bueller be able to be like that if he was ready. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jack Flaherty, but it's kind of weird because of how the Cardinal situation played out. Um, if I can get him to fall, I'd be willing to take them. He didn't really fall that far in hours. But yeah, in general, um, yeah, Walker Bueller, I'm just completely walk, uh, like just erasing. Are you walking out on Walker Bueller? Absolutely. <laughs> He's, it scares it really it does it scares the shit out of me. Um, sorry, I don't know if this uh, we're swearing on this podcast. I you Darvish was originally my like SP four. I usually I was kind of higher on Denilson Lamech because I think that even with the two pitches, um, it's not like Corbin. You know, it, it isn't like um, like Corbin. He can actually uh, he has some velocity where I think he could survive. Except now that I've come more on the uh, the weird jump from the short season to the long season, I've I've kind of come off Darvish, moved him back a bit. Um, I think Lamette and Glass now, I'm like almost like going to maybe borderline avoid. <laughs> so I, I'm really starting to consider innings pitch quite a bit going into this year. Those are all fair points, Matt. Um, personally, I've got Walker Bueller at 160 innings pitched. Do you think that's a fair assessment or would you expect even lower than that? No, I think it's fair. Um, I I wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if he was just great <laughs> i i just think for a second round pick i'd rather just avoid it that's why i said like Degrom, cole bieber bauer bueller i'm not even gonna bother like darvish uh if i can walk out of the draft with castillo and woodruff as my one and two i'll be excited so that'll kind of i mean there's a lot of other people in that range too that i like so i i I think uh, Giolito would be great if you could somehow be at that turn where you can grab him as your one, but he's probably going around two also. But if I can try to walk out with uh, a couple of offensive players in the first two rounds, I'd rather just kind of skip that altogether. And uh, it just, it's just another reason why I'd avoid Bueller. But yeah, if he's, he's going to be fine, it wouldn't surprise me, but kind of a philosophical thing on my teams. I like my misses to be off my team. So if I, uh, you know, you have your hits and your misses every single year. If there's a player I'm not questioning about, I would rather be wrong and him blow up off my team than me draft a guy and be wrong about him on my team. So if I have, if I have some question marks, um, I'd rather just avoid him. It's kind of like uh, watching a guy from afar, right? Like you kind of hope he does well, but just not on your team. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Uh, that's wow. Weird. I've heard, uh, fascinating. I've heard Paul Spore say that multiple times and it just stuck in my head. Like, yeah, that makes sense for Carlos Rodon. You want him to do well, but probably just not on your not on your team. Yeah, boy, that's why you got to bring up Rodon. Darn it, anyway, God, it <laughs> bums me out. All right, 
You did like the Julio Urias at pick 144, Carm. You loved it, didn't you? I did love it, mainly because I made it. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really think that the the uh, Dodgers are going to finally start trusting him. Um, we saw him close out the World Series in fine fashion. Um, he should, I'm, you know, we, we should be able to see around 165, 170 from him. Given that it's the Dodgers, he won't get anywhere near 200, and he most likely won't eclipse, you know, 180. But he has proven that his metrics are incredible, and he should have a longer leash now. Matt, what do you, Matt, what do you think about that? No, I love, I love him. Uh, he looks like he's going to be an absolute monster. The the only real question I have is same thing with uh, Bueller, except you know the Jesus Lazardo is in this as well. Urias, who I love Urias a lot more than Lazardo. Honestly, I don't understand why Lazardo is going so much earlier. Um, to be honest, I think Urias has a stands a much better chance of having a better season this coming up. But the innings thing are a bother for me because they already were an issue, and maybe. Maybe it's not as huge of a difference of what reality would have been anyway. As long as you keep your expectations in check, you know that last year, then 2020, they weren't going to have a huge amount of innings anyway, but they still had significantly less than you were hoping for. So as long as you're drafting them where you are, which I think Lazardo way too high, Urias is perfect because yep. you can afford to supplement him with other people. So I think I like him where he went, um, but not like a guy like Lazardo. They both have the same red flag, but it's a matter of value. Um, for Lazardo, it's uh, it makes it not worth it. Urias, it makes it worth it. Oh, Nolan Arenado went at pick twenty four at the end of round two, and it was taken by none other than Carm Arenado. Yeah. So yeah. What, what a coincidence, Carm. But you say you love this pick. I don't know if I love it. I am. I got a lot of questions about Arenado going forward. But you're down. I am a hundred percent down. Obviously, the shoulder issue is a concern, but he's still Nolan Arenado. He's going to hit at least. You know, reasonably at least 30, probably 35 homers, drive in over 100, even approach 120. I know that he doesn't steal, but having that, but having all those counting stats and those homers just locked in at the end of your second round, that's, I feel like that's awesome value. I got to tell you, I don't even have to ask Matt because I know what his answer would be to this, what we just asked you, Carm, because he plays for the Rockies, right, Matt? So you would avoid him. <laughs> no, I mean, I do avoid, I do avoid most Rockies. I, I'd say it's, 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 I think it's safe to say we don't have to worry about playing time with Nolan Arenado. Oh, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, I, I think that you know his, his, his poor season was a fluke, but uh, you know, I think he's going to be traded. But uh, the main thing is third base. I may not be investing in early, mainly because there's such good value late. It, it seems like it's that position where I could forget about because after everyone's already filled their third base and almost borderline filled their middle infield, I can still kind of turn around and grab JD Davis or Brian Anderson, Kyle Seeger, just boring people that I can literally just fill in when everyone else is just like, all right, I'll take this guy. Um, I can take a decently quality player to fill in at third base. So that's uh, it's more of just the the position itself. There's plenty of good values. Arenado is going too late. Rafael Devers is going too late. Um, so you can grab that really great early value, but I probably won't be investing in third base too early just because of I. It looks pretty deep to me. Yeah. You know, speaking of Devers, which you mentioned, he goes before Rendon and Bregman. Is that nuts to anybody else, or I, it's because I would rather have Bregman for sure. 
Yeah, I would say I was I was a little stunned by that in this draft. I don't I don't think that'll be the norm. <laughs> yeah, right, Carm. Yeah, hundred percent. I have I have Bregman, then Rendon, then I would say not well down the list, but definitely at least one round later is Devers. I just think that you know Bregman was you know back of back of the first round last year. Rendon is getting taken in the second. Devers is also getting taken in the second, but the track record on Bregman and Rendon, it's just pretty hard to overcome. Yeah, I mean, we love you, Davey Lou, but, uh, you know, we just question your selection well, I mean, there. I, do, I should say, I do love Devers. I mean, I, he's actually the next, like, break, breakdown thread I'm doing on Twitter, and not to give anything away, but, I mean, he gets off. To, he got off to a slow start in 2020, which was very hard to overcome because it's such a, a short sample that – you know, the overall numbers don't look great. He was still on pace for like 41-20. He got off to a slow start in 2019 too, his like career year, and, but he could recover from that. So I do love Devers, but honestly, the difference between him, Machado, Rendon, Bregman, um, like Carmen said, Rendon and Bregman have the track record, so they should be going earlier. But um, among all those guys, including Arenado, if I were to invest in an early third baseman, I'd be perfectly fine just taking whoever fell. Um, if they're going where they are going, I probably avoid it maybe because of, you know, I like the later guys, but, uh, if any of them were to fall further than they should, I'd be happy to grab any of them. Huh? Okay. Other, wow. other, sorry, Mike. Carm, please speak freely. One other thing I was thinking about Arenado is like, Matt, if you go through your projections, I feel like you're going to see a lot of guys hitting like in the 220, 230, 240 range with Arenado, he can approach. 300 on he has approached 300 on a regular basis and i feel like that is getting very overlooked in terms of his profile no mm. i i think i you know i think it could be fantastic <laughs> it could be fantastic value okay well you're listening to the road of fanatic podcast uh, we're talking about the november mock draft that we just did on road and you can check out new articles we do have new stuff available davy lou just did an article so Hop on over there, read some off-season fantasy baseball chatter. And, of course, we're talking about this mock draft, and there's people who made mistakes, but there's also people who made legendary picks, like Lance Lynn, 30th overall, one of the greatest selections in the history of mock drafts <laughs> worldwide. Mr. Dr. Mike Carter did that one. Hey, is this too high for anybody here, or is it just me? I, I love Mike. Mr. Mr. Doctor, mm. um, his combination of Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray, and Steven Strasburg kind of scares the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm okay with Lynn or Gray individually, um, pairing them up, um, not necessarily because Lynn is obviously a time bomb. Uh, I believe in him. The innings are fantastic too. One of those things you can kind of put in the bag, like Bauer, which is great for this season. Uh, but, you know, one year, if velocity goes down or anything, it's just poof, he's going to be garbage. I mean, that it'll, he'll go from stud to garbage. Not that many people will find a cliff like that, but he could. And Sonny Gray is always kind of, and I love Sonny Gray, but he uh, he kind of lives on the edge as far as if you look at metrics, as far as like, oh, swing, swing percentage or swing and strike percentage, Z contact. He He's kind of like, I don't want to say mediocre, but like league, league average. So he's also another guy who kind of lives on the edge. If things aren't going his way or something happens, like it's just a couple of guys that need things to go perfectly to deliver on their draft day value. And then Steven Strasburg, obviously is Steven Strasburg. I hard avoid this, uh, you know, with the, it's just injury concerns. It's no, 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 no. Yeah. And you uh, took, by the way, in that same round, you took 
Brandon Woodruff, Matt. So you liked him better. You could have had Sonny Gray. You could have been yours, but you said, no, thanks. I'm taking Brandon Woodruff, 41st overall. I right got after Woodruff as a Zach top, Allen as a, and Scherzer. I got Woodruff as my SP8. I love Brandon Woodruff. Hmm. He's quite good. I feel like almost... <laughs> I feel like almost all the pitchers in round five I would have rather had than Sonny Gray. Maybe, uh, maybe, like, maybe, maybe Lamette. I don't like Freed at all. Fair. Uh, Fair uh, Freed goes oh, 55. Oh, oh, here, oh, here's the thing with, with Freed is um, the reasons people were questioning Soroka, it's the same thing with Freed. He doesn't really strike out too many. Right. In the Braves, he pitches to weak contact. Um, I actually mentioned this on my other show before, but if you actually line him up against Zach Wheeler, Zach Wheeler is superior in almost every way, mm-hmm. um, but they both had inferior strikeout rates, except Wheeler has a, has a track record of actually having a pretty solid one. So I would expect that to bounce back. So if you like Max Freed, wait a few rounds, grab Zach Wheeler. They're the same person, except Wheeler has a much better chance of delivering some profit on your draft pick. Ooh, that is fan. I'll tell you what. In round five, you got Maeda, Glasnow, Lamette, Plesak, Freed, Burns. That was a lot of pitchers that went in round five that I don't... Now, I know there's a huge argument that we had kind of off... Not me, but some of you were having about Zach Plesak and uh, where he went. Uh, anybody care to expound on that? 53rd overall. I'll let Matt take this, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll say something after, because he is in love with Zach Plesak. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm in love with him. Like here, I had Brennan Woodruff I grabbed in the fourth. He's my SP8. Plesak went in the fifth. He's my SP18. Uh, but, you know, it just happened to run that way. I got Woodruff later. Plesak went a little earlier. Um, I, I don't see myself getting too many shares of him because I think that there's always going to be maybe one person in the draft that is a little more excited. I think that everything lines up, especially with the way things are going in Cleveland, where he looks like um, he has a nice profile to be able to jump up and really over deliver on his draft price. But um, there's still question marks there. Extremely small, you know, track record. Most of his success in a 60 game season where he didn't even pitch through a lot of it because of his antics. So yeah, I, I do have him ranked high, but I got to be honest. It's like, just because I have him ranked there, doesn't, I don't know how many shares I'm going to have. If that makes any sense. Uh, so, yeah, Plesak, I'm perfectly fine with him being my SP2. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I don't see many scenarios where that ends up being something I want to do. Okay. I'm in the want, same. I don't want him as my one. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm going to give a very different opinion here. I have him right now as my SP34. So, pretty far down the list. My reasoning behind that is through about 170 innings of playing in playing for for uh, Cleveland. He's got like he's got a 14% home run per fly ball rate. And I mean, that probably will go down a little bit, probably around the 10% league average mark, but at the same time, if I think about his strikeout rate, it increased big time. And I'm thinking about what Derek Hardy said, you typically keep half of your gains year over year. So if, if he had a he had I think a 27.7% strikeout rate last year, I'm not betting on anything higher than 25%, which I think drives him down in my rankings. Let me question. Um, you said you had him where 34, 35, what'd you say? 34. Do you who do you have higher, him or Jose Barrios? Uh one second. Ooh. Jose Barrios is my barometer yeah. for boredom. Oh, okay. <laughs> like no, I well, think if you're I think Barrios is good, like you get solid production. He but I he's no, I should say boring. Uh, I should clarify. I think where you draft him, you're gonna get what you expect. 
but he won't do any better and he won't do any worse. <laughs> so that's kind of where I always look at Barrios in the draft and I'll say, all right, I'd like uh, the people above him definitely need to deliver and the people behind him, you can afford to take some risks. So that's kind of like the Barrios line. <laughs> I've been dying to use this metaphor in a podcast, but Jose Barrios is like pretzels. <laughs> because when you're bored and hungry, you're like, oh, I guess I see that, you know, that bag of pretzels. You get the bag of pretzels. You're like, about what I expected. You know, this is satisfying for now, but, you know, I'm going to want something with way more upside later. Yeah, like, you eat too many. Uh, like Cool Ranch do. Doritos. <laughs> uh, oh, Cool Ranch Doritos. Well, hold on. Get back. Uh, hold on. Do you have them uh, before or after uh, various? I've, <laughs> I've got Brios in front. I think a lot of it is due to... Um, I have Barrios making a full 32 starts. He's been tremendously durable. Whereas with Plesek, I've just got him plugged into like 30. So that's about, you know, 12 to 15 inning difference there. Um, I don't really want to spend the time on the podcast seeing what it would look like if they had the same innings. But... No, 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 that's fine. Um, the one one thing that I've been looking into is interesting with Plesek. And I got into this with Dave, uh, run DMCD on Twitter, is there's someone that's comparable. The things I look for, I'm not saying they're the same pitcher. I'm not using like no similar arsenals or anything. This is just looking at uh, plate discipline metrics, O swing, Z contact, swing strike rate, K minus walk percentage, things like that. Zach Plesak is very, very close to uh, Pablo Lopez. And I love Pablo Lopez and he's significantly cheaper. So I'm almost talking myself out of getting Plesak earlier in the draft going offense and then grabbing, grabbing Pablo Lopez later because, uh, you know, obviously just a heck of a lot cheaper. And is the things I like about Plesak are very, very similar to the things I like about Pablo Lopez. I love Lopez in front of Lance McCullers for sure. I don't, I, another guy I've marked completely off my <laughs> list. He doesn't even exist. Uh, he doesn't even pitch in Major League Baseball. Lance McCullers is off my <laughs> off my radar in, entirely. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a, an painful. injury guaranteed injury pitcher whose arsenal is just stresses that you should get an injury. It's just like terrible. Just no. Uh, I assume you feel the same way about Dylan Moore at eighty seven, right, Matt? Uh, in terms of that, I, you not I, liking I, that. So. I feel that way about most of the rookies. Uh, most of the rookies with these guys with like no track record are getting overdrafted beyond reason. Like I no, I, it's just, there's just too much can go wrong with growing pains. Randy Rosarina went in the fifth. Again, I, I think that, yeah, there's people that think he can be Christian Yellick, but there's a much better chance that he's like Tommy Pham. And there's a chance that he's worse than that. Um, so I'd, you yeah, know, I'd 480p on NFBC right now for all the mocks and yeah, drafts. It's flat out. I would rather pass him completely and go with, again, the guy like Tommy Pham. Uh, but yeah, Alec Baum, Dylan Moore, incidentally, all on Dave's team. <laughs> he drafted all the, all the rookies. I, I do like Baum, Baum, but I don't like Moore at all. No, I, I, I like some of them to a degree. Uh, Randy, I love his upside, just going too early. Baum, third base, I already explained that. Dylan Moore is definitely looks like, even though he's power speed, there's just like tons of flaws that can really drag him down. So it's just, it's just too early for rookies. It's too much can go wrong. Um, I like track records. Track records are fun. So again, another rookie, Ian Anderson, top 100 pick. Is he that, would you obviously are not interested in that, but everybody else here, top 100 pick Ian Anderson. Uh, it would not shock me if he was the best pitcher on the Braves, but yes, way too early. Um, his entire game is, predicated on his changeup being um, phenomenal and his other stuff isn't necessarily like above average. Mm -hmm. He had a huge strikeout rate in the minors and he did great uh, coming up, especially in the playoffs. So that's probably why he's sitting so high. 
I love Ian Anderson, uh, but the yeah, the price is way too high, way too high. Same with Sixto Sanchez, yes. uh, who has who has very bad injury risk as well. It's just yeah, I just going into a uh, rookies going into a long season, we don't know how the Ings pitched. I expect some growing pains. Just it's just too early. By the way, uh, Ian Anderson went 101 overall, 6-0 chances, 114 overall. I have a question for both of you guys. And uh, Corey Seager blowing up. He had a, a Rosarina-type playoff, and he had a good season overall in this brief run that we had. He has skyrocketed, and now I have a wonder about Carlos Correa, who you drafted, Matt, at 113 overall. Carlos Correa had a great playoff. He didn't have the season the in the 60-game span that Corey Seager had, but he also had the nice playoff blow-up, but he's not getting the bump. He's basically right where he was last year. It really hasn't changed in ADP. What was your thought on taking him there, Matt, and do you think he should be higher? I have a very good answer, and that's that I didn't. I got sniped so many times at shortstop, and I didn't want to take Carlos Correa. I got stuck with him. <laughs> Uh, Corey Seager had a great regular season too. I love Corey Seager. Right. I, I won't be drafting him either though. Uh, just because he doesn't, he's not going to give you much speed. I, I think in my middle infield, I probably want to throw some stolen bases there of some kind, even though I drafted Carlos Correa. I, I honestly, I mean, I'm an open book here. I usually am probably going to try to wait around for Dansby Swanson and Javier Baez, <laughs> which I anticipated getting one of. And then for some reason, Heath Caps, who had no shortstop, decided to take back-to-back shortstops on That's the turn. Right. He loves so, the long field. So, uh, yeah, I just, I got stuck with Correa. So, yeah, I, I was looking at the late, the guys after that, like DD. And, uh, you know, it was too early to grab a guy like Cronenworth. And like eh. later on in the draft, I grabbed like Jerks and Profar and Willie Castro <laughs> to, to, to kind of supplement there. And honestly, I almost wish I would have. Uh, oh, no, I took I did actually end up taking Didi a few uh, rounds later, um, four rounds later. So if I knew I could have done that, I probably would have just gone another direction in Korea entirely and just went with Didi, Profar and Castro, to be honest. Hmm. All right. How about you, Carm? What do you think of this? Uh... Corey Seager, he deserves where he's at as well as Carlos Correa deserves to stay where he's at. I made the comment in our October mock that I took Seager too early. He still has, you know, the injury history that I would be very surprised if he eclipsed 625 plate appearances, which mitigates his upside big time. But otherwise, you know, I do love him. I think taking if you can get him in like the fourth ish round, I think that's pretty good value. As for Correa, there's so many question marks for me. One, obviously, the injury history. We said that going into uh, 2020 that he would either be a top five shortstop if he could play the full time or he would be like about a like, you know, ranked 20th because he was injured. Well, it turned out he was healthy the whole year and he wasn't that good until the playoffs. So combined with the injury history and him, he batted seventh in the playoffs for a lot of that run until he got hot. I don't see, you know, I don't, you know, there's a whole lot, bo- there's like a bottomless floor there for him that I'm not really <laughs> worth taking the risk on and pick, you know, 115-ish. But if you're going to make the injury argument for Correa, you would have to make the same thing for Seager. It's fair, right? Seager's hitting second or third in the lineup. Um, he put together a, a, a much better 2020 season. And while I'll be while it was only 60 games, I'm going to take 60 games into account more than I will a, a 12 to 15 game playoff run. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Seager had, I would say, two two big injuries, and hopefully they're behind him, but, you know, they might not be. Whereas Correa gets dinged up with something different, it feels like, every year. 
Yeah, he's cursed. Mm-hmm. He's cursed. Like he also Aaron has a Judge. back injury. Backs are bad news too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Seager, he had like Tommy John and he had a hip injury. Right. But he came back last year. It took him a while to like kind of get on track, but he did. So he played after he came back in 2019. He was healthy the entire way through. And then he was healthy all the way through 2020. So, you know, you're only injury prone until you're not. So I, I would like to just not erase the injury risk from Seager, but I'm not going to let it in. I wouldn't let it impact my decision to draft him. Yeah. There's a path forward for Korea where depending on who the Astros sign, he could bat fourth and his upside goes, you know, much higher than what I think right now. But I want to see that before I start drafting him like it. So is the 26 ADP right now on NFBC drafts? Is that too high for Corey Seager, Matt? For somebody like you who loves Seager, is that, are you cool with that? A top, top 30. No, I, I won't be doing that. Uh, like I said, middle infield, I want to plug some speed in. I don't hate I don't hate the value. I won't I won't um you know fault anyone for doing it, but I don't think so. No. No, I think he should be going more so around like pick fifty. Ah, okay. You both agree. All right, you listen to the Royal Fanatic Podcast. We're talking about our November mock draft. We're talking Corey Seager, Randy Earls Arena. We're talking everybody. We're talking rookies galore. Let's talk a couple more guys, and then we'll close the book on this darn thing. By the way, you can go check this out online. We posted this on Twitter, so you can follow along, look at some of the picks, or do some of your own research on this, and it'll be a good time for you. Starling Marte. This is someone who came up in our last mock, the, the October mock, as someone who should have gone much higher, because I think he went in the fifth round. He went pick like 54, I think, something like that. Yeah, and everybody, it seemed to be a general consensus all of a sudden after the fact that, well, that's, yeah, that's too low. So how about now, Carm? How about with this, this draft? Or how do we feel about Starling Marte and where he should have went? Yeah, he jumped up to about 20 picks to pick 32. It looks like the Marlins picked up his option. To me. For... Yeah, congratulations, man. <laughs> I was like, what is he saying? Oh, I get it now. Oh, Matt totally... picked up a twelve million dollar option. Yeah, Matt is wow. his agent. Well, so you I'm, should... be- I'm benevolent, if nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. All right. Um, <laughs> so he went thirty-two off the board. I have him at as uh, my thirty-second best hitter. Um, only six hundred twenty-five plate appearances. He's been dinged up, as we know. But the combination of a high average with steals and some speed at the top of the lineup, I feel like that merits definitely top forty. So two rounds in front of the October mock. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I took DeGrom in the first round and Freeman in the second round. So devoid of speed for two rounds, I needed to kind of pull some in. And Marte seemed like just a smart pick for what I was doing. Um, And then it it afforded me the option of taking Woodruff and Real Muto the next couple of rounds before grabbing a couple of options like Tioscar and uh, Fam after that. So, yeah, it's a nice little base. I probably – the only reason he went so late in our last mock in October was I was on the the turn at the end at the 12, and I just couldn't afford – to grab him where he went otherwise. Cause I, I, I took hitter hitter one, two, and I needed to take pictures. So yeah, Marte should be going in the third. Well, let me ask you this, Matt, if Marte, if Mond- Mondesi goes to pick before Marte, Alberto uh-huh. Mondesi, if Mondesi hadn't gone 31, would you have taken Mondesi instead of Marte 32 or would you probably stuck to what you did? Cause you wanted nope. speed regardless. So. Nope. Never. Not, not even if there was a fire. Wow. Wow. That's a clear statement as anybody could make. We we should talk about Mondesi, by the way, because I have him projected to possibly be the number one overall pitch uh, player in in fantasy uh, 
flaws so. and all. Victor Robles and him, um, for at least Robles, 2019 Robles, um, and what Montesi did this year, it's they're just awful. Kind of like Javier Baez was able to like unicorn it for a few years. Like the the plate discipline is brutal, but they're able to overcome. Baez has a lot more offensive talent than Montesi, though. But Montesi, he has the ability to hit like 15 home runs and like 60 stolen bases and really like knock down like the first round, but he just sucks. You know, he, he's, he's really terrible um, <laughs> at baseball and I could just like see a slump, like being, you know, him being benched. So I just can't do it, but I'd like to everyone to know, I acknowledge that I think that there's a first round player hidden in there and he was on pace to be that. I just can't do it. I think if he's sitting in the third round in my drafts pending my first two picks, but if I need, if I haven't drafted a shortstop yet and I'm looking for a hitter, I'm probably going to draft him every time in that scenario. I have him ranked as a 14th best hitter with only 550 plate appearances just because of his injury history. But like Matt said, that translates to 17 homers and 56 stolen bases in just that limited amount of time. If he stayed healthy, uh, you know, for another hundred plate appearances or so, like the perfect modesty season is the best overall fantasy player. Yeah, he was the darling of September. I mean, he just took over all articles and all information because he probably won people a lot of leagues, and especially the last week too. He just was on an absolute tear. And you know what? I'd, that... I'd consider taking him on the first round turn in uh, best ball, which I'm not sure if he'd even make it there. I'd love to see where the ADP is. I bet there's some people going crazy with him in best ball, but. Um, he's not a guy, like I said, some other people, he's not off my board. I will take him, but it's gonna, I'm not going to be reaching. And I don't know. I mean, I'll have shares because I don't want this thing. I know I said, I want my misses off my team, but really like Carm <clears throat> spelled it out. This guy, you know, you don't want to be crying because you ignored him. By the way, uh, just in case you wanted to know the answer to that, Matt on NFBC, Montesi's 40 ADP in best ball right now. 40. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would definitely right, never Mike, let him get the 40. Mike, sign us up now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah, if I if I was if I was gonna pull a few different contests, one of them I'd for sure grab him. Like if I was at the turn, I think I might try to grab him. It might work out well actually better. It'd probably be better if I was at the top of the draft and grab him on the way back, maybe in the third. But holy crap, that's that's yep. insane. 40. This is last what's two the, months. What's the, the is there min max listed there? Uh, yeah, 40 and 40 right now. So it must be pretty minimal. Oh, they only have, they, maybe they only had one. Right. Yeah. yeah they had one draft. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Lame. All uh, right. There was well, no cut line best ball. And this he, is just best ball straight up. He, so. he will get taken higher than 40. Seriously. Okay. Let's go end this now and sign up. <laughs> yeah, I know men 10. Yeah. Well, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Even if it was that one best ball, if it was one best ball on FBC, it was Bogarts, Bichette's Corey Seager goes fifth, Lindor, Story, Turner, Tatis. I'll go ahead and. Well, interesting. My final point on Modesty is that it seems like every year, right at the end of the year, we're like, Modesty had an incredible end of end of the season. So what I take from that is maybe, and you know, if you're in a if you're in a league that allows trades, don't draft him. Let him have his crappy first month, six weeks, and then trade him, trade for him, buy him really low, and then you'll have a top twenty hitter for the rest of the year. And it could be even higher if he, you know, if he fully rebounds. Yeah, the only issue there is that other people have information the same, <laughs> same could, could you know they could do the same thing. They have access to that same idea. Like, oh wait, why would I give up now? He's going to turn it on. So. There's enough question marks where I think if you could pull the right strings. All right, fair enough. 
Uh, can we talk catchers, guys? Because uh, this is a great question that's proposed here. What's the best way to figure out where to take catchers? And I was talking with the uh, Al Melchior on my other podcast earlier, and so I was talking about catchers a lot, and I really started to get deep into it. I actually wanted to get more deep into it because we talked about Gary Sanchez. Is he a top three catcher anymore? Is it not the case? Uh Regardless of where Real Muto ends up, he's still the number one. We know that. But who are the top three catchers now? And is it really going to be dependent on the person you talk to minute by minute? Because I think you're going to get a lot of different answers on this one. Um, what do you think, Matt? I mean, my personal top three would probably be, um, after Real Muto, would probably be um, Salvador Perez, still Grandal, and maybe like Will Smith. Let's go. will smith uh yeah that was a name that was mentioned as well Uh, yeah three i've got perez will smith and grandal two three and four wow well maybe it is more universal than i thought okay one interesting thing i i'm far from even completing this analysis but gary sanchez barrels the snot out of every type of ball fastballs breaking balls and off-speed pitches obviously he had his deep slump in 2020 but if you know if he is getting drafted where you know where he is at these past two mocks, he could there is a path to him being a top three catcher again and providing tremendous value. I still believe and I still know that Gary Sanchez can win you a league with a couple week tear, depending on the league. You know, I'm talking head to head, probably most likely the case, but he can go on a tear and help you win a league and be a legit catcher. He still can do that. Yeah. There's some there's some players I would love to just toss out 2020 and just be like, all right, this didn't happen. Um, if I just whiff on catcher and I I just uh, at a certain point like this and this one, I'm the one who took real Muto. If you don't get real Muto, just wait forever and then just take one when you <laughs> no longer love the board. Uh, but I'm if I'm not if no one kind of falls to me. And again, I that's what would need to happen for catcher. Really, I don't know if any of these guys I'm necessarily going to reach on if anyone just gets pulled and nothing just falls in my lap um mitch garver he was so bad he was so bad uh but i probably am gonna have a couple of shares here just because he is free (laughs) essentially (laughs) um so uh he's one of those guys where i'll take a shot i'm not by any means confident but uh i i will be taking a shot on him because i mean how he couldn't he couldn't just you can't just it's one thing to not believe in what he did but it's another thing to become to do what he did and then become what he was in 2020. There's no way. There's certain players like Yellick um, and even Javier Baez, who we knew that there's like a floor there. Like he just he was atrocious. He he obviously wasn't that bad. I, you know, if anyone wants to know about him, I did a pretty lengthy thread on Javier Baez. I love, but there's just some some things didn't go well for players that you just got to be like, all right, 2020 was weird. He obviously wasn't this. Um, so you know, some guys like him are just so cheap that I will give it a go. Yeah, Mitch Garver has yeah. quite. Hey, he had, variety an 18, he had an eighteen point seven percent O swing. Um, he wasn't chasing, you know. Right. Um, it, it and uh, the only thing is, like, he, his contact was just trash, <laughs> like so bad. Uh, in 2019, 88 percent contact in the strike zone dropped to seventy six percent in twenty twenty. He didn't go blind, you know. Uh, yeah. So you know, well, wait, didn't he have a concussion? Like actually, yes. though. Yeah, he did. I feel like uh, that so, had to play into it a little. Yeah, uh, so that's definitely possible. So, yeah, rather than like at the end where people are grabbing like Austin Nolan, Sean Murphy, um, Travis Darno, who has his own injury problems in the yeah. past, I'll just wait it out and maybe, um, you know, try to grab someone like him. Yeah, yeah, the uh, 
oblique or whatever it was too. It was a it was a rough stretch for him. But speaking of min max that are fascinating, one seventy eight to two eighty one on Mitch Garver. So. Wow, it's <laughs> pretty. Pretty interesting so far. Yeah, although, that's although that's kind of the tale, off. that's kind of the tale for the end of NFBC drafts anyway. At a certain point, the get your guys thing really yep. rolls, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, above him, James McCann between one ninety five and two seventy. Below him, Jorge Alfaro between two eleven and two ninety six. So yeah, they there's some widespreads in that area. You're right. About One that. Rick, before we mark this off, just this he went in the twenty first round, literally right near Garver is uh, Brian Reynolds. Another guy that I'm going to race 2024. <laughs> um, before before this season, where he batted 189, still seven home runs in the stolen base. So the power and steals you were kind of probably projecting for him were there. Um, before that, his lowest average ever was 302. His second lowest average in his entire career was 312. Lowest BABIP of his entire career was 362. Second lowest was like 387. Um, and then he had a 231 Babbitt last year. Again, he makes ton of contact, a lot of line drives. He's got some speed. He's a, he, he looks like he should be a high Babbitt guy. So looking at all that, again, at every single level, including the majors, you go over and look at his plate discipline. It gets actually hilarious because on 2019, his O swing was 31.1. In 2020, 31.3, like identical. His Z contact, 86.1, 86.6. Swing strike percentage 11.5 to 11.6. This guy was like the same player. He just had like brutal luck. Uh, so he's someone that I think that sh- it will be on almost maybe universal amount of my teams if his value doesn't start to go up in any way, which I don't think it will. I think he'll kind of stick around towards the end as he as he does. So um, yeah, I, I like him. His line drive percentage was kind of similar. It's just it was just a weird 60 games for him. Though you know all the pirates sucked. <laughs> uh, I've got him as my 131st ranked hitter. Uh, I've got his BABIP at 347, so I guess I'm on the low end. But I mean, once you're looking at 231, you're like, dang, that's low. It's going to come back. But then I think he had like a 400 plus BABIP last year, so it's like somewhere you know in the mid 300s makes sense. I have trouble going much higher than that. Well, he was 387 in 2019, but his other career years, 394, 376, 452, 391. Like, that's kind of where he lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree on that front. I mean, he is a line drive hitter, so he's not really prone to shifts. So, I mean, it may, the bounce back makes sense. I mean, even I mean, if I have a ranked... You don't, have to, you, don't have to, you don't have to invest much is, is the main thing right. here. It's like, I'll take right. a shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guys yeah. going around him or what... You're Who are you looking at in the outfield there? Him and... Uh, it's like Randall Gritchick. Um, Cole, yeah, Cole Calhoun. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, give me, you know, give me a shot. I'll take, I'll yeah. take a shot on Brian. Agree. I completely agree. Yeah, it's worth it because, and again, uh, right now ADP, yeah, he's at three eighteen on average, and you around the same area as Adam Duvall, uh, Scott Kingery, Oscar Mercado. So yep, yep. I forgot Scott Kingery was a thing. I forgot about him. Yeah, let's just forget about that because that's <laughs> depressing for me. But uh, let's okay, let's kind of wrap up this mock talk here. We talk catchers. By the way, uh, Matt's the one who took Real Muto. That was fifty six overall, right? And uh, I don't think there was another catcher in the top one hundred. Let me ask Matt that question about catchers. So when I do my Z score shenanigans, I have Real Muto projected as the ninety fifth best hitter, mainly due to you know lower plate appearances for catchers. So how do you determine that he is worth? you know, a top 60 pick at that point. And then, you know, in, in um, 15 team leagues with two catcher leagues, he's going in the top 30. Like, how do you, how do you pull the trigger on the first catcher? 
The um, I've never taken a uh, top three catcher in the history of any draft I've done. Um, this I just did for the sake of <laughs> of seeing how it would work out. To be honest, but uh, JT Ramuto is head and shoulders above the second best option. He wasn't last year, which I know Toby was um, going on about it. But you know, a lot of people thought really highly of some options behind him this year. It's just a huge cloud of question marks. And I think him, you take to the bank, like he's always on the field and he gives you some speed and he's just, he's really the most dependable guy. So um, if it rolled around in the fifth, I didn't like any of the pitchers. I already had two. Um, and I was just looking at everyone available. And then the next round you got like Brandon Lowe and the first basements people are reaching for like we, like uh, Voight and Alonzo, Trent Grisham. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get real Muto, get a significant advantage and see how the rest of my draft falls. And you know, when the, everyone else started taking catchers, I grabbed Jonathan Villar, who I don't believe in, but he's still <laughs> good for like 40 stolen bases. I grabbed JD Davis, who, you know, I, I in the 15th round, he still had a 117 um, r- weighted runs created plus. I think he's probably going to bounce back. And I grabbed Kyle Schwarber for like free. So, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, I think people forgot about him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he got lost on the, on the queue for sure. Um, what I generally try and do for catchers is, you know, go by my tiered based rankings and basically grab the last guy in a tier if he's still there by the time I pick. Do you, what, do you what's your second to... tier, by the way? Because I like, in theory, I could probably lump together about seven or eight catchers for. I have, I have like, uh, tier one, you know, is just real Muto. And tier two, I think I could put seven people in there. Yeah. Let, hold on one sec. So Perez, Smith, Grandal, Contreras. I might drop it there. My next guy is actually Varsho just because of the steals. I absolutely, actually, I would include Varsho in that second tier. And then I would probably say Gary Sanchez starts my third tier. Gotcha. That makes sense. I mean, if you have Perez, Smith, Grandal, Contreras, I, I could see that if one of them fell further, I would take one of them. I'd be happy. Yeah. But if it fell out of that, I let it fall to Garver and I don't, or whoever, um, like you said, you really like Varsho. He he'll fall a decent. Amount. Yeah. I think um, he's gonna be my target. Yeah. So that, that's probably a good one, but in general, it's, it's, it, it'll just be like who falls. Cause none of them, at that point, I won't really care. Like if I'm in a draft where people are disrespecting Christian Vasquez, I'll be like, okay, fine. Right, He's, right. Hey, don't forget Buster Posey's back, guys. Yes. Hey. Be Pose. Um, right. I Go just ahead. want to say one thing about uh, your boy Dylan Moore, Mike. You love Dylan Moore, right? Uh, well, I, I enjoyed what I got. It doesn't mean I like him in 2021, but I did if, enjoy the ride. If I, if, I tell, if I ask you if he's a poor man's Jonathan VR, do you say yes or no? Um, hmm. I would say, I'd say no. All right. All right. I think more, I, I, you can get more power out of him than v, I know VR can hit for power at times, but I, I don't know. I feel more confident in that one. Okay. I, I'm, I'd I'm, have to look more to be honest, but I'll, if you ask me okay. off the cuff, that's my answer. I looked at a projection for more today and I was just like, this kind of screams like middle of the pack, Jonathan VR season. So I was, you know, I'm kind of surprised he's still going <laughs> as high as he is. I wouldn't Next take him year, at 87. That's crazy talk to me. I, I think it's ludicrous to take Dylan Moore top 100, by the way. Well, yeah. I mean, Dylan Moore went where he went. I grabbed Villar. Where'd Moore go in our in our draft? 87. And I took I took Villar where? I'm trying to find it. I took him in very late. Uh, I took him in the 12th. Yes. I took him in the 12th round. Um, 
I, I mean, I think Dylan Moore, I have down to like maybe bat like 225 yep, <laughs> with yep. maybe 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases, something around there. Yeah. Um, and so 50 picks later, you got VR. Yeah. Who, again, right. he, he, he's not going to be fantastic, but uh, the stolen bases are almost assured. I think I'd have him for somewhere around, I don't know, maybe like a 245, 250 average, uh, but maybe less than, you know, maybe 10 home runs. I think that he can give you like, you know, 30 stolen bases though. Fair enough. Yep. Agreed. That's interesting. Very interesting. All right. Final, final comment on the mock here. So Biggio and Grisham, Kevon Biggio and Trent Grisham, they go too high in this mock draft. Trent Grisham goes in the sixties, the 66 overall. Let's start there first. Is that too high? We've talked about this in the last mock, I think too. So I, I, Let's keep this brief because I don't know if the opinions have really changed since last month. Uh, Trent Grisham at 66, Matt. Too high or is that fine? No, way too high. Carm? Way too high. I feel like even in an OBP league, that's still too high. Wow. Okay. He's a a very, very flawed hitter. This is a very small sample size. I think that there's no room for um, much. Again, the whole thing, value. No, I don't think there's much room for profit. Uh, If you want to take a shot at a guy like him, I'd wait again, like several, several rounds. I would maybe take a shot on like Ramon Laureano or something. I mean, the speed won't be quite there um, as where it will be with Grisham, but the power and the general idea will be there. Three or four picks later, Yohan Mancata could tell Marte, just saying. I'd rather have both those guys than Grisham at that point. Uh, And what about Biggio at 60 overall? Biggio at 60 seems pretty high. That's a big jump. Uh, Matt, I think maybe you're a little more interested in this one. Uh, yeah, he's kind of, I mean, I don't want to call him Mondesi because this whole thing is completely different. Oh, wow. he, no, he's, no. he knows what he's doing. <laughs> like he's bad intentionally. Like he, like as far as plate discipline, um, and no, as far as like his poor metrics, like as far as the contact and everything, like he's doing exactly what he wants to do, except I think that holds him back. Um, you know, he takes way too many pitches it, and it, it kind of prevents upside. So I think the power will be there. I think the speed will be there. I think the average is always going to be crap. So if you're not an OBP league, I'm going to maybe have a hard time stomaching the pick uh, because he just looks like a guy who's never, he's not interested in changing his approach. So the, the strikeouts are going to be high. The batting average is going to be low. So, I mean, I have him for somewhere around, I'm trying to see what I have. I mean, you know, he's, he batted 250 last year. Um, I think he's maybe going to be a little worse than that, maybe like 240. To, yeah. Uh, and, and then like 20 home runs, I think he can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at what he did in 2019 and 2020, like 20 home runs. And I think in 2019 is pretty good. Uh, maybe 20 home runs, maybe 14, 15 stolen bases. But if you're going to have an average that low, I can find that production later. I, I grabbed Jerks and Profar when I grabbed him. Um, real late. Yeah, real late. I grabbed him in the 19th. Uh, Profar had essentially a better year and, you know, he's going to be leaving San Diego probably. And he'll end up somewhere after having that pretty decent year. We'll have to wait on that, obviously. But uh, two, he batted 278, seven home runs, six stolen bases, and only 202 plate appearances. So, I mean, that's just an example because I know of a guy I took. There's tons of other people to bring up. But, uh, yeah, you can grab someone who can give you similar-ish production later. I don't expect him to... Uh, to um, perform above where you're drafting though, because of that plate discipline is going to drag down his upside. Yeah, I, f- I fully agree. I've got three main thoughts on BGO. One, if Jose Barrios is pretzels, Kevon <laughs> Biggio is uh, 
candy corn intentionally bad hey 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 i love candy corn oh i think you're one of the few then um Uh, (laughs) um number two you know he's going to hit near the top of the order but that batting average is such a drag so if he gets like 675 plate appearances with a 240 average that's not fun to have on your team at all third point while he did steal a bunch in the minors, his stolen base attempts per times on base in the majors has gone significantly down. So I would not expect anything more than 20 stolen bases. Still pretty nice, though. But maybe yeah. not 60 overall nice. Right. One thing in, in 2019 in AAA, is, his line drive percentage is 25 and a half. In 2019 in the majors, it was 27.6. Uh, last year, you know, the short season here, this year still, 2020, it, it was down to 21 that with the minimal amount of hard contact he makes he needs to be hitting more line drives uh than that uh he had a 38 percent ground ball rate it was 25 percent in 2019 so you can maybe expect that to change that could help him but it, it, there's just not a lot of room for error with with biggio yeah and line drive rate isn't very sticky so if you're banking on him returning to the 27 percent range which is kind of an outlier i wouldn't expect it no, I wouldn't either. I just think that for him to succeed with his current plate discipline, I think he'll have to be a line drive machine. And I think we may have seen a career high mark in 2019. That's kind of the thing. I just I don't see where the improvement's coming from. That's where that's where you want to try to do, right? If you're finding an upside, you want to see where the improvement's coming from. And with Bizio, I, I don't see where it would come from. Well, that was fun. We just wrapped up our mock draft talks. Rotofanatic.com. You go check that out. Check us out on Twitter at Roto underscore Fanatic. We post all of our picks. Uh, you can check it out and investigate further. And we'll probably do another mock draft in December, right? I don't see why not. All right. So let's talk hot stove, guys. It's that season. Hot stove is here. Uh, it doesn't feel that hot, but a few things have developed. First and foremost, and I know this is a fantasy-focused podcast, but still, we gotta we gotta take note that Kim Ang is the first ever female Woo. major league GM, or in any of the four major sports. It's finally happened. It's great news. I think we're all in total approval of this. We're all standing here saying, "Hey, it's about damn time." Uh, anything else anybody wants to add to this? Because it's obviously a great moment, and we all approve. Great job, baseball. I'm really happy for the sport and for sports in general that they finally got this right. Yeah, for anyone who like the the, the out, pretty much the communication on all this has been pretty positive. Everyone seems very excited about it, but she was incredibly uh, qualified. She's been in since uh, 1993 or something is when yeah, it was really early on. She, she had jumped in with the Yankees. Since then, she has worked um, with uh, the Dodgers where she interviewed for their GM job and immediately she was brought on to be an assistant there. She worked in the commissioner's office, like amazing amount of uh, a re- it was pretty much an amazing resume. So yeah, I'll look for her to do some co- cool things. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I wonder uh, how much credit Derek Jeter gets for this uh, or if it was just like, Hey, cause I wonder who actually made the call on this. Derek Jeter to me is a figurehead. I don't think he has that much yeah. power in the organization. Minority but, ownership, I think. Right. But he's the figurehead, so he's yeah. like Chuck E. Th- Cheese. He's the rat. <laughs> well, the good news is that rat always leaves a beautiful gift basket, and it's kind of weird <laughs> to me that D- Derek Jeter's the guy presenting the first ever female GM when he had a reputation as being a guy who was kind of a scumbag to women. But however, let's forget about that. Hey, you can, scumbag. You he set them a tasteful gift basket. <laughs> hey, you say one thing about Derek Jeter. No one has. No one says anything bad about him. 
I mean, you, yeah. can't pay, you cannot pay off that many people. Someone would have come forward. He must have been a nice guy. Right. That's right. And you can, everybody knows Mariah Carey's. She struggles. She has some issues. I'm just going to say that. I'll leave that there. So. You can um, you can come back from... <laughs> I, I don't even know anything about you. Mike, you were just putting words in everyone's mouth, man. No, I'm not! <laughs> I don't think I've ever told the story. But in 2004, when I worked at WLWT Channel 5 in Cincinnati, it was the NBC affiliate. I worked uh, mornings. You have to make the news at like 1 a.m. So it's ready for the 5 o'clock a.m. show and this guy was from cleveland he was really tight with the bone thugs in harmony remember crossroads see you at the crossroads classic he was seriously tight with these guys and he <laughs> tell me these stories about mariah carey and how she would call busy bone and she was so attached to him i'm telling you this guy told me all kinds of stories that i probably shouldn't even tell here but trust me i know what i'm talking about and i'll leave it at that okay. i have no words <laughs> Now that the show's officially off the rails, let's get back to the hot stove talk. Congratulations, Kim Ang. We're looking forward to seeing uh, what you do. And we're going to talk a non-tender talk, too. So maybe we'll see what she does with the arbitration season coming up. But first, Clevenger's the other big news. And so is Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano's bye-bye. 162-game suspension. Got busted for beef roids. He was using Turkish beef roids when he should not have been doing so. This is second violation, and he will be unavailable for this 2021 season. Good news, though. Matt gets to have more money at his disposal as a Mets fan. So that's great. Uh, anything else that we can or we need to process on this one? Uh, for a fantasy perspective, this could have big implications, but unfortunately nothing today because it does remove the logjam from New York where there today yeah. can move Jeff McNeil full-time to his actual position, second base, which hopefully that's what happens. I would JD love that Dave, for my J keeper league. Yeah, J.D. Davis will move to third base, which is his least awful position. Um, he makes big mistakes, but he can actually, he's the most comfortable there. That's where he should be left field for now is unfortunately like, I don't know, Dominic Smith or something. Uh, oh. we'll see what happens there. They're going to sign somebody most likely maybe like George Springer. And then they move Nimmo over to left field. Hopefully there's a DH, but there's so many moving parts. The, the Mets are going to sign a couple of people. They may make some trades. So yeah. Any question marks you had about like Davis, Dom and, uh, McNeil, as far as at bats, this hopefully would clear things up but unfortunately what about Jimenez is, isn't this good news for Jimenez too just in case yeah. there's an issue at short um yeah uh it, it, again we don't really know what to expect there because right now if they don't make a trade I would expect there'd be some kind of timeshare amongst uh the players Rosario is not going to be benched full-time but I would I would be shocked if Jimenez and Rosario were on this team on opening day so if anything one of them gets traded in. One of them is probably full-time. If Jimenez goes to Cleveland, he's starting for them full-time. So I would be comfortable drafting Jimenez. Okay. Well, you're just lu you're just lucky the Wilpons aren't in charge anymore. Otherwise, we'd have a headline, headline tomorrow that says, like, Colton Wong signs with Mets for three years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could just stop that sentence halfway through. You're just lucky the Wilpons don't own the Mets True. anymore. That's it. That's all you need to say. Uh, but, Carm, what's your thoughts on the Clevenger deal? This guy gets a two-year deal, and then he gets TJ right away. This is... This is different. It's a little it's different. It's so weird. I, I'm, I was confused. I kind of still am confused. It basically just buys out his arbitration years. Hold on. Are we not going to read the tweet verbatim? Because it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Dude, oh, I'm sorry. You... <laughs> we oh, don't actually ahead. have to look it up. But oh, what? it was okay. essentially the Padres put out a tweet that says, hey, like the first thing, we've extended Mike Clevenger to a two-year deal. By the way, Clevenger's having Tommy John surgery tomorrow. <laughs> what? It really what is like that. You're right. It's like two blocks. Yeah. yeah. Here's the That's, deal. 
now you're under uh, Tommy Johnson. It's so bizarre. It was bizarre. Yeah, I mean, if you guys remember on the playoff pre the playoff the, the playoff live pod we did, I did the live debut and I had Clevenger at four before the bones and the elbow thing where we during the playoffs and I bumped down like that was not a good decision. Drop him down about four spots at least. And now I'm just glad that we don't have to draft him because no one can make fun of me for overdrafting him this year. Hey, congratulations. So Clevenger will see you in 2022. Uh, righty. What about Epstein? This is for you, Carm. Epstein steps down. Not surprising, yeah. right? I was I was actually very surprised. I thought he would um, really? yeah, fill out the length of his contract through next year. Uh, given that the team is in transition, I uh, was hope- hopefully going to have the best GM of all time or the best president of baseball ops in history for the Cubs oversee that final year. But, you know, Jed Hoyer is taking over. He's got experience, which is fine. But there are some quotes in there that say that the Cubs are probably going to have some questionable non-tenders and non-tenders. And immediately, you know, I think of Chris Bryant, uh, you know, he's had yeah. a poor, he's had a kind of, he'd, he had an absolutely poor 2020 He's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he shouldn't have, but he has. Uh, he'll be owed at least $18 million next year or $19 million. He's going to be a free agent. He highly doubt he won't sign with the Cubs, even if he does stick around. So I could see him being gone. Um, maybe even, you know, Schwarber. I mean, who really knows what they're going to do? But they're all owed a lot of money. Um, Schwarber seems more of like a DH in the AL anyway, who knows what's going on with the universal DH, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I would probably hold off if you're doing drafts now. I mean, it's kind of tough to say, but maybe hold off on drafting your Cubs unless you get great value on them. Cause who knows where they're going to end up. You might lose Jose Martinez too. That could be sad. Oh man. <laughs> the only thing he did was kill the Cubs when he was on the Cardinals and then he's just been terrible. Yeah. He, the, the only sure. thing Carl, the only thing he's good at nowadays is landing on a team that uh, is is not a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, what about Schwarber though? I mean, Schwarber, uh, they could not tender him. He he fell out of favor at the end of the season. It seemed like, but maybe hey, that's MLB trade rumors are pretty good at what they do in terms of predicting non tenders, and they have Schwarber and Bryant as possible people, along with Gary Sanchez and uh, Eddie Rosario. Interesting names that are could be non-tendered. Uh, yeah. I think Theo Epstein left because I think it came down from ownership that they are going to do shady things, and he did not want his fingerprints on it. He thought he, he maybe he didn't agree with what was going to happen, and maybe he had no say in it. So he's just like, okay, if you're going to do this, and I have no say, I'm going to go. Uh, so I think him leaving is a pretty good indication that some questionable things are on the horizon. But hey, hope. Uh, you know, there's some other things where like uh, the more exciting thing is maybe they'll move Darvish. Maybe they'll move Contreras there. They could move a lot of people. So you yeah. just got to hope that Hoyer tries to get back some like non-tendering. It just seems like there's someone that would want to take a shot on Brian. Mm-hmm. You just hope that they get some talent back here instead of just breaking this down for money. You look at the Dodgers just fire an, you know, an incredible amount of people today. Um, you know, whatever they said, they lost a hundred million. So now oh, their wow. net profits were only like 350 million million or 450 oh, million yeah. so uh the cubs have also already um they've let go a lot over 100 of people, so, yeah. yeah so let's let's hope that this isn't uh just a money thing uh and they try to get some talent back but you know <laughs> it's it's weird it's weird as soon as you said it you must have regretted it matt let's hope it's not a money thing and we're talking about major league baseball so right. yeah i hope not either but we all know the truth 
Let's hope it's not a money thing, though. I'm going to stay on a positive <laughs> note. I like it. What about Perry Manassian? He's the new Angels general manager. He came over from Atlanta. Is that fun for anybody? Anybody excited about the Manassian era that is beginning in Anaheim? I know nothing about him. <laughs> Same. Just another guy that Mr. Moreno is going to uh, puppet pull, pull around. Yeah. yeah right, but the said, only thing said... that matters is Mike Trout's final prime. This is going to be the last GM of his prime. Yeah, That's Aang, all I care about. Uh, Aang uh, interviewed, I don't know, seven, eight, nine times. I don't know, countless times. Uh, this was his first interview for a GM ever. And it was? was it, yeah, this was his first interview for he that from him that he said that. This is a quote um, maybe from a day ago. This was the first time he's ever interviewed for a GM job, and he was given it essentially on the spot. And he was a candidate with the guy, and I talked last week about this, uh, the guy from Seattle and the guy from Dodgers, the assistants. And so he went out from them. Uh, he's uh, Anthopolis's right-hand guy. Who knows? Maybe he wasn't even his right-hand guy. He's just one of his guys. <laughs> Who knows? But it's a done deal now. So good luck, Mike Trout, in your final attempt at having some type of postseason life. Maybe Mike Trout should pull a James Harden, just like – I, I want to go to, uh, I want to go, you know, I don't know. I, go I knew we'd get an NBA shot in there at some point. Come on. Aren't you guys keeping up on this draft? Wow. By the way, the NBA draft is happening live while we're recording this. So we're very, very excited. Very excited. That's a lie. No one's excited. Uh, Drew Smiley, one-year deal, $11 million. This blew my mind. This deal blew my mind. I, well, you, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, Chris Bryant being non-tendered for eighteen million, possibly, and Drew Smiley getting eleven million. Yeah, I don't know. The up is down. I think I, what you said. Yeah, this was like the uh, the the portent to a really bizarre offseason that's going to unfold here. Yeah, I mean, I wish Paul was on here to defend Smiley, but one like <laughs> the the Braves who already have an injury-prone staff sign a guy who had twenty six, twenty six. Good innings last year. Really good innings, but still 26 innings. He's been injured for several years before that. I just don't understand that signing. Number two, 11 million. Can I get Charlie Morton for just four more million maybe? I would love that. Okay, thanks. Just, uh, it makes... It's stunning. Two points here. Two points here. Uh, first off, that what you refer to the before that, Drew Smiley's career, that was in Detroit. That's where everything started. And after we got him in that Tampa deal, and it was a zap. I mean, uh, 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 there's not, he never gives you a hundred innings, even. It just well, doesn't happen. He doesn't well, give you legit baseball. This is, this is, this is a roadmap to everyone who thinks this is a bad year for pitchers to get money. This is your roadmap to get $11 million. Everyone, listen up. 2019, the year before your, the year before you sign your 11 million, you want to get released. You got released by the Rangers. You start off your year getting released. And then you want to go sign a minor league deal with the Brewers. That's what you want to do. And they won't bring you up because they are not interested either. So you're going to opt out of that deal. You're going to opt out of a minor league deal after being released by the Rangers. Then you're going to sign with the Phillies where you'll have, I believe, a over five ERA or a near five ERA for the rest of the year. No, but he had year. one good start in there that even got them excited. I remember it. It's so stupid. So then you'll go into 2020. You'll be injured for most of a shortened season. You'll come in, throw 26 fabulous innings, $11 million. There's your roadmap. Well, then what's Anthopolis thinking then? I don't get it. I have no idea. It almost feels like uh, Drew Pomeranz from a few years ago, or like last year, two years ago, when the Padres signed him to be like a relief pitcher for $12 million a year. It's just kind of hmm. like... That that is working out for them, but they're signing Smiley to be a starter. It's yeah, like, there's right. no such thing as a bad one year deal, right? But this would make sense for the Mets overpaying for a pitcher that you weren't guaranteeing a rotation spot. Like, hey, Syndergaard may come back and take your spot. Here's extra money. 
Right. Because, you know, if they were pairing him with someone else, that'd be okay. One year deal is okay, but if he goes down, what's your other option? You know, I mean, yeah, and they have all these arms in their in their stores. Right, it's ridiculous. Anderson, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright. Keep I going. mean, Fultonavich. They gave. I mean, he's still I there, mean, I right? Should, I should say, I'm very interested in Smiley from a fantasy standpoint. He's still going very cheap. I am intrigued by those innings. The Braves do some cool things with pitchers. I get the feeling that his draft price won't remain where I was happy with it. Cause apparently there's guys yeah. like Blatt flip crazy. that are apparently talking this guy up. Uh, he'll have to remain pretty free for me to be interested. We'll see where it goes. I will say it now. You will all rue the day that you thought drew smiley would make a difference on your fantasy team in 2021. <laughs> Somebody record this. Aren't right. you recording this? Yeah. we Are, are. we just okay. talking amongst ourselves or are we recording? <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you guys, right. this is just a conversation between friends. I forgot to press <laughs> record. No. All right. So that hot stove talk, uh, anything else? It's been pretty quiet. Otherwise nothing. I don't think there's been a Charlie Morton deal. The fact that he got rejected to me though, Carm shows me that I don't think he has. And I know this is, I can't give you a quantified breakdown. I can't write you an algorithm that proves this, but. Last year, he barely was able to come back and pitch for them. And now he went through this gut-wrenching playoff. And I just don't think he has the desire to play. And that could have played into it, but we'll see. Yeah, that, that could certainly be it. But It was a real story. I didn't just make that up. He was no, a preseason trotter, So I know. It's just like you would have thought Morton would have said something else rather than let the Rays handle it that way, if, that, if that's – well, you know, here's the thing, true. right? They turned him down for like 15 million, which is ridiculous. It was like a bargain. Um, did they tell them? Did he does do they know that he's only interested in being there? Because people are sus- suspecting he wants to be on the East Coast. For me, I expected the Braves to go after him because it's very close. Right. Southeast. I expect he didn't want to go to the Marlins. He go to the Braves. It is close enough to his family. He can go there. They they don't go his direction. Therefore, he must have known the Braves weren't interested, or he wasn't interested going to the Braves. Now, why wouldn't the Rays? If they knew he was willing to go some other teams, why wouldn't you pick up the option and then trade him? It's it would be right. it would be so valuable. You knew you know you could trade him a one year deal for fifty million. You know you could trade that. So did he tell them? Listen, I'm not going to any other team. You can pick up the option and try to trade me. I ain't going there. Therefore, you're going to be on the hook to pay me fifteen million. So I don't know what the story is. Is it is it raise or bust? Maybe uh, because I can't imagine. He, that if he had a list of teams he went to, that the Braves wouldn't have been on it. Fair point. That's a very fair point, man. Uh, I guess maybe we'll get more information and maybe how it kind of plays out in the next month or so, or it could be months. We have no idea. We'll find out sooner or later. This is the Rota Fanatic Podcast you're listening to. It's sponsored by rotafanatic.com. And all three of us are members of that website. You can read us, listen to us. We got the Turn 2 Podcast. comes out every Tuesday. and It comes out Tuesday, right, man? I'm not brain dead, am I? Yeah, Tuesday. Is that yeah. why it's called Turn 2 this day? Oh, by the way, <laughs> there's also a Turning 2 podcast. Matt, I thought of you the other day. I was on Twitter. Turning 2 is out there as well. But that's is not that a, baseball or is that like about records? It's, oh, uh, yeah, it's not It's not a 80s run DMC reimagining. No, it's, it's, like a, having a, it's like having a website called Pitchers List where you rank your uh, favorite beverage <laughs> oh. containers. <laughs> you said pitchers list oh that's funny i got yelled at last week for saying pitchers list i put an apostrophe s in the tweet i'm an idiot it's pitcher list but no this is rotofanatic.com forget pitcher list I, I had nick i had nick pollock on turn two last year and i said pitchers list and he like yelled at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't like that I, I learned that too uh let's talk overvalued and then get the hell out of here so carm 
I think you did some work on this, right? Am I am I correct in saying that you? Yeah, looked, I did. You did, I did from a, October to November. I did five minutes track. of work. Yep, a lot of work. Nice. That's great. That's five more minutes than any of us did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I looked at the biggest movers from our October to November mock draft. Um, Mike, let's uh, let's talk about those first three. Uh, uh, Boyd, Zach Davies, and Marco Gonzalez. They fell a lot in the November draft. I mean, yeah. do, do you know why that would have happened? No, you know, I know that these are three reputable players that have breakout potential in 2021 written all over them, and the peripherals would show that. So I'm not really sure why there would be a drop in their draftability in November. I got to be honest. <laughs> Classic. That's all sarcasm. Yes, those were auto picks by me in the October mock draft. Sorry, I think I took Marco Gonzalez in round seven, which you actually, you know, if you look at what he's done the last couple of years, I mean, it's not that crazy, but it's a little high. I it's, think, it's, so. it's very crazy. It's okay, crazy. it's crazy, right? I have no, there's no defense and I don't even care to defend it, but... Uh, he, I, I know I dropped Z contact a bunch. I think his is near 90%. That's really good, right? <laughs> then, yeah, I guess. <laughs> if you're a hitter. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> if, if, he's throwing, right, yeah. if he's in the home run derby, he's quality. Yeah, yeah, he's not a hitter. That's a problem. All right, so, Carm, beyond the auto picks, what are some other interesting names? Yeah, um, Andrew McCutcheon dropped a whole bunch. Um, at least At least 50 spots from October to November. I really like him as an outfield four or five. I mean, he's, he's batting near the top of the order. He'll probably hit at least 20 homers, um, steal a handful of bases, which if you're going for the death by a thousand paper cuts approach, you like, um, an average, you know, I have him down for like a mid two sixties average, which doesn't kill you these days. Um, and I, he just dropped like a whole bunch. I mean, do you guys have any, re have any like negatives on him to cause, to cause that? Hold on. And plus he would have dropped further. I believe you auto picked him in this draft. Did you not? Hey. Oh, no, no. Then we uh, then we redid the pick, and then I picked him like this. Oh, you picked him. Oh, you picked him anyway. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember him in that point of the draft. I was like, oh, well, I'll take a chance now. We're talking like two. What was it two fifties? Yeah, I picked him in. The, I picked him at two forty, and he went in one fifty three in October. Oh, uh, wow. I know a reason that he's not on my radar is because so far I found there to be a tremendous amount of late value in offense, especially the outfield. There's just so many yeah. guys. Like if you want power. Uh, or speed like Manuel Margot, he's going like very, very late for how intriguing he looks. So, I but just it's just like you talked about earlier, Matt, with Reynolds. That was a, and all the guys around him. There's some late values there. Yeah, there's some there's some value. So I just think with uh, with his age and with uh, the injuries that he dealt with, like in 2019, uh, it's just enough for me to ease. I don't want to. Yeah, I kind of cross him off my list. I, it's just someone I'm not looking at. But I think like for the reasons you said, I think he's he's a good value and. For him to have gone late as I as he did is probably a mistake. Like I, I don't think I have a problem with Matt taking Shogo Akiyama in two seventy two. You know, I think he there's still had a, he had a good year actually. Yeah, I don't know just, if it's just playing time it, issues. It was backloaded, right? Though the good year. Yeah, well, yeah, but in the end result, like if if we for at least where he's going, if if you're looking for like a late value there, which I think you know he has a he stands a good chance to to play, especially with the way he ended. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what was his end stats? I'm looking him up right now. He ended up batting uh, 245 with... No, no, no. What am I looking at? I you know, know, he ended up with seven bases. Am I missing? I don't... Yeah, I, I don't have it up, but it sounds right. <laughs> I didn't know we are going to dive <laughs> in. Let's do it. No, it's just like you're looking... Podcast, part two. <laughs> no, it's just uh, I think that uh, going into next year, I think he's someone that could like... The plate appearances are the only thing that's not a given, but I think that if he 
ends up getting plate appearances. He could like maybe be like 2020, you know, seven I mean, steals like, in 10 attempts. That's, that's nice. Yeah. He had, yeah, he so. had no home runs. <laughs> yeah. Which is something I totally don't understand. That won't happen again. I don't believe that'll happen again, especially in that ballpark and the playing time issues really, it could have been a lot of adjusting to a new league playing time issues, put it all together. We only saw 60 games. So I still think that matters. I think you could get it even later, honestly, like after pick 300. And that, I would I would like that value for sure. I'm just saying, if you think about McCutcheon in relative terms. I'm, I like I like the concept of taking an Akiyama. Anyways, uh, other players, uh, big oversight on Schwarber, eh? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, ironically, though, I'm looking at my rankings right now, and I actually have Schwarber ranked after McCutcheon, and that's really just due to um, Schwarber's 229 projected batting average. I mean, I think there was at some point over the last couple of years where we thought he could hit in the 250, 260 range, but that really doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, he's truly a three true outcomes guy. And with that, if he plays a lot and that batting average drags, it's not, you know, that's not good for your team. Mm-hmm. Well, about, he, did, he did a lot better um, in 2019. He did a lot better versus in his platoon splits, which is the reason I liked him to finish with a higher batting average this year. Technically, he kind of kept that up because he batted uh, 188 versus righties and 189 versus lefties. So, hey, <laughs> oh, he's on an even fuck. keel. He's there. <laughs> but I think a guy I mean, grasping at straws who was pro Schwarber coming into 2020. That's <laughs> no, right no, there. no. Well, that's obviously a joke. But, like, uh, 229 versus lefties in 2019, which, is, which sucks, right? But... Um, you know, the year before he, he was like, uh, you know, even worse. So it's just, uh, it's just something where in the second half he had significantly higher than that. So I just think that I, you know, it's plenty of intrigue there. I, he's one of those guys where if he gets, if he gets non-tendered, I think it would be very, very interesting to see where he shows up. Hopefully they don't do that. I think that there's still, uh, he's one of those guys where just the Cubs in general. I mean, other than like Ian Happ, everyone else kind of was drinking some kind of weird poison there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Actually, Jason yep. Hayward was one of their better hitters, which is insane. Yeah. And like Javier Baez, they're like t- took away his videos, and he was very sad about that. And yeah. Chris Bryant, you know, the year before he batted like 280 with 30 home runs, and all of a sudden he's the worst hitter in baseball. I mean, there's something here. Something weird was happening in Chicago, and I, I really, it's just I. It's strange. I I just it it's hard to believe. Um, we know it's it's small sixty games, but there's just something weird happened there where I just I just don't like to believe it was Schwarber and everyone. Like Brian, I, I he has injury concerns too. Um, yeah. But he's going significantly earlier. But Schwarber, if he's going to be going late, late, I think he got forgot about in this particular draft. But he's still going to be going pretty late. Um, I still believe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like he's so slow too. Like his Babbitt is never going to be good, and he strikes out way too much to ever really get the average above two thirty. I mean, he's pretty much a poor man's version of Joey Gallo at this point, in my opinion. Oh, I think he's well, Joey. Yeah. I think he is Joey Gallo. Oh, without the, without the injury risk. <laughs> oh, yeah, up. yeah. Well, and the Gold Glove. <laughs> Sh- yeah. Schwarber's Throw that so in pr- there. Pretty brutal in the field. True. True. Yeah, the Cubs are the shining example of what we would love to have seen a 162-game season out of. If we just could have got 162 games, but we didn't. So let's talk about people that were not drafted in October mock draft, but were drafted in the November mock draft. This is some interesting stuff here. Yeah. Uh, Buster Posey was not drafted in the first uh, uh, mock, but then he was drafted in the November one at the end, and you know 
he has a track record to where catcher is such a wasteland. I think he can pretty easily be a top 12 catcher. He was uh, definitely remembered because he was drafted 205. So he oh, he was drafted like 205. Yeah. Okay. So Interesting. Somebody, everyone's like, oh, yeah, remember him? Whoops. Yeah, I mean, that's that's too early, I, I would imagine. But, yeah, he's, I mean, if the only way he doesn't play is if there's no universal DH. Joey Bart starts out super hot, and Brandon Belt is like, Brandon Belt. <laughs> Here's the question, I mean, though. I mean, he got taken late enough where it doesn't, it hardly matters, but the steamer projections right now have him batting 250. This is over 460 plate appearances. So, you know, pretty much the amount he's going to have. Yeah. Uh, he's batting 256 with eight home runs, uh, 48 runs, and 47 RBIs. You're telling me I'm positive. How about that? I'm positive I could recreate a much, much better catcher streaming. I don't believe in that average. I think the average will probably be upwards to like 280, though. Well, I think um, I guess they 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 based it on uh, his 2019, where he had uh, batted two 257. Um, he typically has well, actually nothing. Nothing was actually that far off, <laughs> other than he's he struck out a little more, walked a little less. Uh, so I think it's somewhere between the the 260 and 280. So I don't know, cut the difference, give me 270. Sure. But I still the uh, the eight home runs uh, rather than clog him up. I I think I'd, I I you know. If you, I can, I can recreate. I think much better than that from the uh, waiver wire. Ooh, and then yeah. you don't, and then you also don't have any days off because I'm constantly plugging the guy in. Uh, so so other names. Chris Taylor was not drafted. Then he was drafted. So was Freddie Peralta. Um, I take back my comment on Posey top twelve. I have him as seventeenth right now. So oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, Edwin Rios wasn't drafted in the October draft, but now he was drafted in the November draft. Did and I there's take, a lot of talk. Did, did I take him? Well, you talked about him a lot. I assume you probably did. I had to look it up. I don't know if I actually did. No, T-Dubs. Ben Wilson took him at pick 237. But you did make a comment in the thread at the time that said, hey, I like that. Hey, if I I don't think he will, especially in the economy now of baseball, he'll probably come back Justin Turner. But if someone happens to have a need and they pay him more than the Dodgers are willing to, uh, I would – where is his ADP going to go? I would assume – if they don't replace him, if they let Seager go, there's no, I mean, Seager, if they let Turner go, they're probably not going to spend a lot of money to replace him if they're not willing to pay up for him. So yeah, if Rios has a shot at third, I would assume his uh, ADP will shoot up. So for anyone drafting early, um, yeah, I think he's a guy that you should be drafting at the end because, you know, if he doesn't work out, you cut him. Yeah. You know, by the way, I, this is blowing my, it just blew my mind to see this right there because five picks before Rios, Andrew Benintendi at pick 232. <laughs> Does anyone drop more than him? <laughs> That's pretty bad. No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, in terms of Rioso, so how I usually start my projections is I'll take like the bait, I'll take like the like home run, fly ball rate, strikeout rate, walk rate, whatever, plug it in for his averages over the last three years or so. And I gave Rios 500 plate appearances. And <laughs> when I plugged it in, I showed he was going to be the fifth best fantasy baseball player because of his 34% home run per fly ball rate like he just mastered yeah. absolutely mastered it. like that's not going to happen over two of course but how dare you definitely... it will it will happen <laughs> yes i was just going to say the same thing but it, reasonably it could be what 27 28 like he absolutely destroys the ball like he could easily hit over 30 homers even if he only gets like 500 plate appearances <laughs> yes i hey, think was, i mean he's not uh He's not what's his face, but he's kind of on that track. They don't have the same body. I'm blanking out. What's uh, Miguel Sano? So. Oh hey, who yeah. Is I, uh, this is off track, but it, just as a player, you just brought up. 
Um, who was I comparing to Jerks and Profar not too long ago? Do you guys remember? Biggio. We were talking Biggio, about yeah. Biggio, Biggio. Perfect. Andrew Benintendi for Steamer. They haven't projected a 256 with 17 home runs and 13 stolen bases. Just to, wow. again, Andrew Benintendi, I'm, I'm probably not touching with like a 15 foot pole. Uh, but that's, you know, we talked about what we we're expecting out of Biggio. Uh, if you know, if you believe, if you're a believer in Steamer, there's another fantastic reason to avoid a Kevin Biggio. Wow. Because no, I'm just just um, not because I believe in Benintendi. No, no, that, I, I that's, know it's that's just... not an uncommon combination of stats to find much later in drafts. I'm still just blown away by their projection on that, but hey, whatever. Okay, uh, who might argue with Steamer? Yeah, I think the uh, the power is uh, kind of obscene. I don't know why they. Uh... Yes. Okay, whatever. Uh, so Eliezer Hernandez. Hey, uh, hold on, that is a terrible projection. <laughs> I strongly disagree with that projection. By, I do. By yeah. Steamer, what are you doing? I generally disagree with Steamer's projections, so I'm not surprised. Okay. Well, but anyway, I think at the Steamer, point, though. I think the point sticks. Uh, Steamer doesn't think very much of Kevin Pichio. <laughs> uh Eliezer Hernandez was not. I can't believe he wasn't drafted in the last mock. That seems like an oversight. Yeah, I just injured. Remember. It's off people's minds because he's not playing. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Spencer twelve Howard, team. Twelve team. There's yeah. gonna be some. There's gonna be pitchers that you can probably. Yeah, you're not gonna well, be starting got, Eliezer every time out. Right. Yeah, that's so. a, you're right. They got a lot of arms down there still. Yeah, and someone's gonna be the odd person out. You're right. Uh, Spencer Howard uh, crept up inside the top two fifty after not being drafted in the previous mock. He's got some prospect prospect pedigree. I really think he could bust out. Uh, he did struggle in his major league debut this year. I think he, if I recall correctly, he was pretty wild, not accurate, but that was not him in the minors. So I'm expecting him to kind of figure that out this off season and then just be, you know, obviously be better. He has the potential for a mid 20% K rate. Uh, the walk rate, while, you know, it's probably still going to be above average. Um, I mean, or, you know, below average what you want. I think it, it'll be reasonable. And overall, his skills just show that he could be someone if you could grab at the back end of drafts and it could pay off tremendously. He was taken at 262. Carm, who'd you take two picks after Spencer Howard at 262? Oh, man. Yes. Or tell me. <laughs> Kluber. You took Corey Kluber. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, I want to hear about Kluber's rehab, but I mean, I like, I like where Howard's going there. I think it'll go up a little higher based on what we would be expecting from him for, you know, a breakout potentially. I will tell yeah, you two, someone yeah. that's going in this area that I think is actually a little ridiculous. I wish I had grabbed him earlier is Jordan Montgomery. He's uh, yeah. he's he went way too late in this draft and he he looks like he'll be very promising this year. So I love Jordan Montgomery. Uh but going to uh your um who were just talking about Spencer Howard. I, for yeah. me it's like the Edwin Rios type range where I think it's someone you grab and you are looking at spring training to see, you know, how he's looking and everything like that. It's one of those you know, you probably can hold on to him a little bit in the beginning of the season, but it's one of those guys you grab, you see if it doesn't work out, he's the first guy off the team. Yeah, and there's not, yeah. he might Another not one pitch we, uh, a whole lot too. He might not pitch a whole lot. That's fine. But you took Locane at two sixty five. Oh, Kluber? see, that was good. That was a great turn for you, Kluber and Locane back to back. Locane is he's going to play start. He's got he's way above a two hundred sixty fifth overall pick value. Fully agree. I mean, he's had some injury histories in the past, and he's going to bat lower in the order than he has historically. But still, I mean, he's going to provide most likely double-digit homers and steals with um, an average that you'll like upwards of 290 in my projections. Uh, I, I really like that. I've got him ranked actually just outside the top 100 hitters at 110. Uh, yeah. That could, I mean, that. So I'll take. I'll, if he's around pick 200, I'm definitely taking him. 
He was doing well before he opted out. Yeah, I just think it's just people forget, right? We forget. Right. Yeah. David Price syndrome or whatever. I'll tell you this. Uh, we are doing the BrotherFanatic.com podcast. We do this once a week on Wednesdays. We'll be releasing the show. And you can also catch our other podcast on this feed, the Turn 2 podcast, on Tuesdays. As we close up the show here, final thoughts. Uh, Alec Bohm goes in front of Glaber. Uh, is that Bozo Fest or what? Feels like it. No. Oh, okay. I, wow. I mean, I don't think it's Bozo Fest. I don't think I would. I mean, I'm probably not drafting either. <laughs> Um, I think it's fine. If you believe in bomb, you, you probably have to take him there. I wouldn't do it, but I, I'm just saying I wouldn't. I don't think it's crazy. I think we're all really discounting how good Glaber Torres is. I, yeah. Everyone, everyone just assumes if if he's not playing the Orioles, he stinks now. I feel like that's just <laughs> ingrained in people's heads. And yeah, he, he had incredible prospect. I can't say that tiny prospect pedigree, and I mean, he's going he's going to rake. He'll he's going to bend in the middle of that Thunder's Yankees lineup. I'm there. His floor, I feel like, is pretty safe. And the upside that you could get from him, or he's being drafted now in like the, it looks like the mid 50s, I think, or around that range. I, I like that spot for him. He's going round three last year, and now he's just dropping. Come on. Right. No, it's fine. I, it's, it's basically the, I mean, he's going to bat like 270 with like 30 home runs, um, a little over 30, maybe. It's just, um, neither are spectacular. I think they're fine. Um, so I'm fine where he's going. I, this, I said, bomb, if you believe him or whatever, I would, I would take Glaber over bomb, but it's easily replaceable numbers. Maybe not the batting average with the power, but you know, it's, it's, it's close enough. There's some guys you can take significantly later, like Anthony Santander. That's probably going to get close ish to that. Obviously not at the same position, but the production itself isn't very hard to replicate. Yeah. It's interesting too. On the, NFBC, he's Torres sixty six ADP in all the last all the drafts that have been happening, but there also is a wide variety. It's not like cut and dry. Right, like Bohm, Bohm's going on one hundred six ADP. So this mock draft that we've done here, we're taking him higher than what the ADP would say with a min max on Bohm from seventy five to one twenty eight, while Torres has a min max that goes up to the. 49 to 96. Well, I think after you get after Tim Anderson, after, you know, Bichette, Bogart, Seeger, Anderson, uh, and then the first round guys are out of there, Turner, Fatatis' story, you're left with Torres, Moore, Dansby, Swanson, Baez, Simeon, Correa. It pretty much comes down to roster construction, whether you need power, whether you need speed, how much risk you can take. So that's why I think the min-max is going to really vary in that next uh, tier of shortstops because it completely depends on the draft that's going on and the team you've drafted around them because everyone's going to have very different opinions on more um, and Baez and guys like that. So I think it's going to move around quite a bit, not only the min max, but the order of those six guys I named, I think will be in a different order in practically every draft. I don't know. Is more shortstop eligible though? Isn't he second related? base to outfield. Oh, yeah, second base. Was, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just want to double check on that. Cause I didn't okay. see him in here, but you're right though. Your point was correct, Matt. Cause after Torres, it really starts spreading out, and there's a lot more confusion with Baez, Swanson, Correa, VR, Simeon, and Edmund, and so forth. So, yeah, you're right. And that's a perfect way to end the show. You're right, Matt. All right. <laughs> this has been. We the don't want to talk about the best, the best pick in the entire draft, TJ Antone, by by me in the last Let's round. Let's go. Did you see my tweet about him like an hour ago? No, no, I didn't. Oh man, well, just go check Twitter all and you'll see. He's got the most brilliant statcast page you'll ever find. Ever. It's it's fine. I know what I find is every year the Reds aren't starting the pitcher I want. 
Last year was as Tyler Molly. Now he's finally in the rotation, and I'm not satisfied. Now I want TJ in there. <laughs> he's so good. Never enough. But hey, if he's a multi-inning reliever, I'll take it. You'd rather have Drew Smiley though. <laughs> no, actually. Oh, hard no. Well, well, the Braves would apparently. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. This has been the RotoFanatic.com podcast. We're uh, gonna wrap this one up. I'm Michael Govier, your host. Uh, find me on Twitter, MJ Govier, if you so like. Don't forget RotoFanatic.com and on Twitter, the RotoFanatic feed, where we offer you various pieces of information about baseball at Roto underscore Fanatic. Carm, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at Carm's Clubhouse on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of cool stuff with our buddies Crosby and Paul and um, Ben uh, featuring the Data Monster. You guys will see what that is shortly. We're so excited to unveil all of our fun stats and uh, inter- interesting tidbits. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this offseason crafting up content for you guys. Absolutely. Right, Matt? Yeah, that sounds fantastic to me. Yeah, sure does. Yeah, you're supposed to say where people can find you. All right, Come on, everybody. you're a pro. I, I, uh, I'm a pro who's distracted by the NBA draft. I'm just kidding. I'm what? Um, oh, you got, you, got you can follow part. me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Uh, follow along with my uh, player breakdown series. It's going to be on uh, the actual index uh, where you can find all of them. Alphabetized will be on rotofanatic.com pretty soon, so you can actually go through and see all of them. They're going to end up being like uh, 200 of them so far, I think, by opening day. So you can go ahead and check that out uh, pretty soon. Hashtag 2021 player breakdowns. And yeah, like Carmen said, we're going to have some really fantastic stuff coming up on rotofanatic.com within the next week. And then it'll start rolling out a little bit at a time all the way to opening day. That's right. Yeah. So that's why you guys stay tuned to our Twitter feed and head to the website and we'll keep you updated. It's all coming very, very soon. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.